Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast brought to you by Medterra CBD. You can go to medterracbd.com and enter discount code BIGMXRADIO20 to save 20% off every single one of your orders. You can also use the old code BIGMXRADIO15, still saves you 20%. They're uh, nice enough over at Medterra to hook me up with that. Uh, that saves you guys some money and uh, get a little bit of commission on the back end. Um, I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line is... Uh, uh, Factory mechanic, somebody who's a really interesting story in the sport and someone that I've uh, spent some time with at the races over the years and uh, someone that I honestly look up to with how much he knows about the sport and how much he knows about motorcycles. Um, Travis, Travis, how's it going? Not doing too bad. Uh, Travis, is it Solus? Souls. Travis Souls. Uh, most recently, you'd, you'd see him uh, most likely working on a, uh, a number 20 um, Brock Tickle uh, y- YZF450 after a pretty nasty spill at Millville. How was that? Let, let, like, let's crack open, crack this thing open with a little bit of, uh, um, like, that must have been a uh, quite the uh, the job to put that bike back together. Oh, yeah, and it, I mean, it, it just hits you just right in the gut to see any of your riders down, you know, and Brock's a strong dude, and he's just laying there and laying there, and I'm all the way on the other side of the track. But uh, fortunately, he didn't really have anything too major for as bad of an accident as it was, but the bike was pretty pretty mangled up. But we were done for the day, so, I mean, I had the rest of the week to rebuild it, so. Put the thing back together. Not something you're uh, you're estranged to. Uh, working on uh, factory and, and privateer level bikes for a number of years. Uh, when did when did you start uh, wrenching in the pros? Um, I started um, 2013, so it would have been November of 2013. Okay. I moved out to Cal and started with Tedders, and uh, worked there. 13 through 15 i had i was like dakota's practice bike guy and then uh they hired jake weimer that was actually my first race gig was for jake weimer so that was pretty exciting for me you know to yeah. have that as my first race guy and then uh from there to rch i was uh brock's practice guy there when i started and then brock got hurt and ended up actually hiring jake so when jake came in he said hey i know travis we have a relationship can can he be my mechanic here so that worked out good for me there. And then um, Supercross 2017, I was Brock's race guy for Supercross, and we got a podium there in Canada. That's so that right. My first podium 450, his first podium 450. It was just, it was awesome. The day didn't go that good to start with, but it ended well, so. Yeah, Brock was then, uh, leading laps in the main event. Uh, pretty pretty yeah. impressive showing, actually. I know he was excited about that. Yeah. Do, you, do you remember that race at all? Like, do you remember like the whole day? Um, did he not have a crash or something earlier that in the day? Like it was like it was like the day couldn't have started worse, and it ended up being absolutely uh, well, like one of his best. And uh, like yeah, I remember the yeah. main event specifically that he he ended up like he got a good start. I, I, Tomac ended up winning. And by the time yep. first and second caught uh, Tickle, there was just such a, a big gap that he it was like there he like he couldn't lose it at that point. No, and he was he was worked up. So the beginning of the day, um, him and Barsha had gotten into it a couple times. Yes. And then there was an altercation off of the track in the tunnel, 
and uh, they both just about got disqualified for the night. So they took Brock's um, qualifying time and gave him last qualifying, so he had worst gate pick for his qualifier. And I think he ended up second or first or third or something in his qualifier from the worst gate pick. And then, uh, yeah, ended up leading some laps and ended up getting third overall. He held Dungey off until I think the last lap for third or for second. So that's right. Yeah, he definitely he definitely had a fire under him for that weekend. He was he was worked up and put it all together. <laughs> no doubt, man. That that was actually quite the week, the year. And actually, uh, with with uh, Brock riding for RCH and uh, the the first and only podium for Vexia MX Motocross Rare. Yes. Yes. Those guys, like, I, like, did, what was like? You were kind of somewhat close to that situation or team, uh, or that like that the, the the gear brand. Like, where did those guys come from? I know I had, I think I had one of them from a, a representative from there on the podcast to kind of shake down the brand a little bit. But uh, that was like a one year flash in the pan, one and done. But they got a podium in a in a four fifty Supercross. Yeah, they. I mean, they they came in, they got a podium. I, I don't really know the whole background behind it. I just yeah. know. They're all super good guys. I mean, anything we needed, we got. Um, as far as like for me, they, you know, they they asked if I would wear their t-shirts and all that stuff. And of course, I mean, we love, you know, we love to have swag, and I love to support anybody that, you know, that wants to support us. So that was nice. And then yeah, we got the podium, and they were super pumped on that. And then uh, I mean, I wish it would have lasted a little bit longer, but. Yeah, no kidding. They had some uh, some interesting looks, and it's always like it's 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 always a bummer when you see uh, brands come in and, and and then leave the sport of motocross. Maybe they weren't able to make a go of things, but uh, um, working with Brock, working with Jake, and then also working with Weston, uh, it's really cool yeah. to see all the guys that you've worked with. Um, they they always they, they stick around with you. Like they're they're able to uh, you're able to cultivate those those relationships, and uh, mm-hmm. like when. Uh, Jake comes on RCH immediately gravitates to you. He wants you to, uh, to stay on yep. as a mechanic for the familiarity. Uh, how important is that to, uh, to a race mechanic in, in creating those relationships that um, can kind of carry you forward in a lot of situations. And now eventually what we're going to get to talk to talk about a little bit down the way is uh, a pretty exciting opportunity for some, uh, some, some all around the bike riding schools uh, coming up in the, in the near future. Yeah. So, I always, I mean, anybody that's met me, you can, you can tell. I mean, I, I like everybody. I like to talk. I like to make people laugh and I like yep. to make people comfortable. And I mean, if you've, if you've got somebody's life and career in your hands, they have to trust you. You have to trust them. And I wanted to always be more than just your mechanic. Like I want to be on a friendship level. Let's go out, let's have dinners. If we have to have a drink, if you know, whatever, whatever it is, if you're having a bad day, you need to be able to call me and tell me about it. We need to communicate, you know? And, um, I just, I always did that and I just always made them feel comfortable. And, um, I still to this day, can't believe that I'm, you know, best friends with a lot of these guys. A lot of these guys are people that I watched growing up in the sport. So like to be able to be, you know, Jake Weimer's race mechanic, and that's my first race deal. It's just like, are you kidding me? Like I watched this guy win his championship and now I'm building his bikes. Like I'm the most humble person you'll ever meet. That you are. And, and but also skilled. It was like, uh, 
skilled with the uh, the T handles in your hands, my friend. I've seen uh, you on deck for or all, all hands on deck for uh, complete fire drills, um, and also on the line uh, the the intensity and uh, poise of a gunfighter. Like you're all business when he gets down there. Of course, you joke around with your rider a little bit, but. Uh, uh, all smiles aside, you take your job very seriously, and I think that's something that uh, uh, maybe a little bit understated about yourself. But uh, I'm sure a lot of the riders that you work with appreciate. Yeah, and they do. And I mean, I'm I'm one of those guys where I still remember life on the other side of the fence. You know, I remember being that little kid, being that guy that you know, oh, if I could just get one of these guys to talk to me, or if I, I mean, to me, I always wanted to talk to mechanics because that's always what I wanted to do. And I mean, you you meet a lot of guys that are super serious about their job but sometimes they're too serious where they they won't talk to anybody and yep. like me if i'm in the fix and there's a little kid you know oh chad reed or weston they're my favorite rider i'm like come over here and sit on the bike you want to take a picture and they're like are you kidding me <laughs> you know because back in the day I, I put myself in that kid's shoes like i would have gave anything to sit on one of these guys' bikes you know yeah totally and if i and if i can take two minutes out of my day to to make somebody's day or year or life you know just to give them that experience i mean why not hundred percent. And just, yeah, like you said, knowing what it's like on the other side of that coin and um, like the small experiences like that are what uh, keep um, the the obsession, the addiction and um, the, the, the sport just holds such a, a, a special place in so many people's hearts. And uh, I think more people like yourself who acknowledge that, uh, yeah, letting a kid sit on the bike for two seconds is not going to... Uh, um, be too taxing on your day. Of course, if you let every kid, you'll never get nothing done. But uh, taking yeah. the time to do that yeah. every once in a while uh, can really make a huge impact, especially on uh, a young, uh, impressionable fan like 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 I was growing up, like you were growing up. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's something that kid will never never forget, you know. And that's that's what I'm all about. I'm all about making everybody happy. I mean, doing my job and you know being being me. That's this this is what you get. So. So uh, then I ask you, what was your most rewarding experience uh, as a mechanic, aside from uh, the, the like the top um, performances that you were able to uh, help your your rider get to? Like, what what was that like? That a few of those feel good moments for you? I just think I mean I can look back to I remember my first day when I first started at Tedder. Like I thought that I knew a lot of stuff and I didn't know anything, you know. And I just, the, the stuff that you learn is just, you have to learn it on a team. There's, there's schools that do a lot of this stuff, but not a lot of it translates over to an actual race team. And it was just, it was fun to just find some people that would, that took me in and knew that I was a hard worker and could see it and would share all that knowledge with me. And, and you also have to absorb it. I mean, you can have somebody show you a hundred times that you, if you can't figure it out, you're not going to last long, but if you can absorb it and learn from it and take everything away from that, I mean, that's, that to me is one of the most rewarding things. And then also, you know, just the giving back part. If there's anybody where I can give them a plastic or give them a high five or do whatever, you know, it's just, it's just nice to just to give back to the sport that has given me and a bunch of people so much. hundred percent. And not only that, but uh, also being able to work with, in my opinion, my humble opinion, legends in the sport, uh, in both uh, Jeremy Albrecht as well as Leroy McCollum. Now, Leroy oh, yeah. is Leroy a, about as good a person as you'll find. Um, 
he's just he's he's so thorough. He takes his job super seriously, but he's just good at it. He always ha- always has time for me uh, at the track. Um, he's reluctant to do one of these, mind you, but uh, we love him all the same. Give me uh, give me your best Leroy McCollum story. Oh, there's a lot. I honestly, when I, when I first met him, like my when I had went to RCH, he was still working for Yoshimura Suzuki, so we were in the same shop. Right. And I can remember I went there, kind of met everybody, and then I went over to one of my buddies, Travis Perry, who was working there at the time, and I go, "What's what's this guy's deal? Like, what's what's wrong with him? He's like seems like a dick. Like he's kind of crabby. He's like, no, that's just me. You'll get you'll you'll learn to love him. And from that day forward, I just went over there and just would pick his brain on one thing a day and just, he'd tell me stories. I'd tell him stories. And there's really not one with him that sticks out more than the other. I mean, they were all just that, that guy has lived and that guy has seen a lot of stuff. And it was just, for me, it was nice to, to pick his brain and learn every little secret from him. And he'd even come over when I'd be building my bike. He's like, Hey, you want to see a little trick? You want to see? And I'm like, well, yeah. And he'd come over and show me just, you know, like one little thing. And, I, I just took it took everything that he said and remembered all of it. So yeah, like, like Leroy is uh, like he's 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 in the the Hall of Fame for me as far as mechanics. The guy is uh, super knowledgeable. He's got stories. You think of where the sport was when he started working uh, at, at the amateur support level in like eighty eight, eighty nine, uh, like bikes like. Bikes were only liquid cooled for about eight, seven, eight years before he started working on them for full time. Uh, right side up yeah. suspension, everything was two strokes. Uh, now we got carbureted, and, and we got uh, everything. Oh. Yeah, yeah, like EFI four strokes. Uh, and he's been, and, and you think of, like the the laundry list of guys. He could probably, I bet he's worked with forty guys. He, he's he's like he's got to oh. have uh, like an absolute. He's got a whole night show full of uh, talented athletes, one of which, of course, being Travis Pastrana over the years. I got to imagine he had a yeah. few Travis stories uh, uh, that you got out of him. Well, he just said that he was, you know, always just this humble little kid, always messing around, you know, like always always up to something. And now that you say this, the one story that really kind of, that just, he, you said that he's your MVP, he's my MVP too. Like yeah. That guy is unreal, but I don't remember where he was. I know it was back in the box stand days. He ended up having a, his bike stolen out of his truck. And they ended up having to send him a bike that wasn't even right. It was just parts. It was just a ride. He said, I, I had just about quit. He's like, I didn't know what to do. I felt so small, you know. You're, you're on the road, and all of a sudden, all your tools and the bikes and everything is stolen out of the van. That's insane. That, like, like, that yeah. was... Uh, it was just so much different back then. Of course, those guys were, uh, like box van days him and apparently yep. him and berluti were uh were sometimes we're friends sometimes not so much friends um but i imagine that's what it's like we're like it's a, it's a pressure-filled job that you guys uh guys have there the and, and uh there's a lot of uh tensions run high and it's a very competitive deal um who uh like you you predominantly worked with uh with brock tickle um, what were your duties at, at RCH when, uh, or, or at, uh, um, Joe Gibbs when it wasn't, uh, wasn't race time, like during the week, were you, were you also doubling as a practice bike mechanic or were you just specifically working on the race bike only? Yeah. Um, the first year that I went to JGR, um, so that would have been the end of 17. So 2018 race year, 
um, when Weston was out in North Carolina, then I did, you know, all of his practice bike and his race bike stuff. He had a, he had a place in North Carolina and a place in California. So when he was out there, it was all, all hands on deck for me building practice bikes and doing all that. When he was in California, he had a practice bike guy out there. So, I mean, that kind of lightened the load on me a little bit for that. And then the following year, 2019 with KP, Cal Peters, then I did all practice and all race and everything too. And I actually prefer it that way. I like to be at the practice track every day that I can. So I don't miss anything because I've had some days where they ended up testing something during the week and I, you know, I've built my race bike and then they get there and like, Oh, well, this is different. This is different. We need to change this. And I'm like, well, that would have been nice to know. <laughs> yeah. Communication's key when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like this is something that probably doesn't get talked about enough in the sport, but uh, like during the week, practice practice day crashes and stuff like that. Like how often do uh, and like, you don't have to get into specific stories, but how how often do these uh, top flight pros, especially the factory guys, uh, hit the ground during the week, and uh, we as fans never hear about it, and they just keep on going on racing, and uh, and maybe that's why sometimes they they have a, a bit of an off weekend and no one knows why. I've I've got a bunch of stories working with Weston. I mean, that guy's a beast. Everybody knows that. And I, I mean, every time he rode the bike at the practice track, three times a day I'd go, <gasps> and he'd ride it out or he'd crash and he'd get up. And I'm like, dude, you got to stop doing that. Like one of these times you're going to get hurt. And he just, it never, ever slowed him down. He would get back up. Like if he would just cartwheel in the woods, he'd get back up. We'd go back. I'd fix his bike up and he'd go back and hit him faster the next time. Like nothing phased that guy. Wow, that's in, that's incredible. He, he bent a lot of stuff on a bike. If I for probably the most stuff I've ever fixed on a bike probably would have been working for him, but it was all little stuff, you know, like handlebars. Like he'd bend a set of handlebars, not even falling, just landing. <laughs> yeah, well, he, uh, he, that's the definition of being hard on bikes. Um, and like, were were you with? Uh, oh, go ahead. Really he wasn't really hard on anything else though. It was just, he was just such a big, strong guy that he would either bend a subframe from like seat mounting so hard or bend a set of bars from just like landing and just holding the bike that, that, that strong. I mean, he's, he was so fit the year I worked for him. It was unreal. No kidding. And, uh, did you work for him the year where he gets, uh, obviously the, the, the injury that ends up, uh, ending his career? Yes, I was actually in Paris with him. Yeah. That, that whole story, um, we ended up finding out on Wednesday that we were flying out Thursday to go to Paris to do the right. race. And he called me and he goes, what are you thinking? I'm like, you just you, you say yes or no and I'll have everything ready. I mean, we had to get suspension and clamps. We had a bike over there that was stocked, but I had to bring suspension, clamps, wiring harness, ECU, basically rebuild his whole bike. So he calls me back. He's like, all right, we're going to do it. And I'm like, done. And then uh, Justin Hill actually was going over there with us, and his mechanic at the time, his passport has expired. So Hill was freaking out. He's like, well, I don't have a mechanic. I'm like, I'll build both your guys' bikes. I'll go over there. We'll, we'll get there. I'll get it done. Like, I'll go on no sleep. You guys will race. Everything will be fine. So we get over there. Bikes get built. And then, yeah, Weston ends up getting smashed. And uh, I ended up going back and forth between the race and back to see Weston because when he was, he was in a coma, there was nothing I could do. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to sit by his side the whole time, but I, I I had to get back and get these bikes back to stock and get them back to the dealership. And I went on like, I think four days with no sleep. I just, I mean, with him being hurt, I, I just couldn't sleep anyways. Yeah. 
So, uh, you know, got all that done. And then I ended up staying over there with him for, I think we were there for like 18 or 19 days. I stayed with him until he got on the airplane to come back home. That is insane, man. Like, I, I remember, like, it's the, the week or two weeks where the sport sort of stood, like, stood still. Like, we've obviously, everyone's seen horrific crashes, big crashes, um, and yeah. uh, just just really scary moments. Uh, but this was one yeah. where, um, like, obviously uh, fighting for his life and, and, and a lot of unknowns. And, of course, being uh, in, in, like, there was just, there wasn't a lot of info coming out of it. Um, like this wasn't something that the media could really cover. Pretty much everybody was, uh, was living through this through, uh, his wife's Instagram as well as yours and, uh, the updates that, uh, that Weston was posting. Yeah. And it was, I mean, the first three days was unreal because he was in a coma and they, they're like, well, I go, was he in brain damage or anything? Cause I, I was first to the track when, when he got landed on and when they pulled his helmet off, I mean, I thought he was dead. I mean, you couldn't even recognize him. His face was sideways. And he wasn't breathing, so I'm like, I just watched him die. Like this, it, it messed me up for a long time. Mm. But um, then when we got to the hospital, they wouldn't tell me anything because I wasn't family. And I'm like, listen, I'm the only person here. I need to tell his wife and his uh, his dad and everybody, you know, what's going on. Like I didn't I didn't want the information to post it on Instagram. I wanted information to to tell his family. You know? Yeah. And uh, they they really wouldn't do anything. Wouldn't do anything. And they're like, well, we can't tell you if he's got brain damage because we can't do anything because he's not awake. I'm like, what do I do? Like, what do what do I call and tell Kelly? And they're they're te- texting me and calling me, and I'm like, I they won't tell me anything. There's nothing. There's nothing I can do. And um, I I didn't want to tell him on the phone because Kelly kept asking me, you know, what's he look like? What kind of condition is he? And I didn't want to tell her that it looked like he got ran over by a pickup. Yeah, which would have been so an improvement we, at we that point. Up, yeah, yeah, we ended up getting in there and or getting those guys here. Here, I think they flew in on Monday, I think. And then, um, yeah, it was just the the language barrier and the the hospital, and it was it was a nightmare. I mean, it was absolute hell for all of us for the eighteen days we were there. Ugh, that sounds like it, that is the worst. That is the worst nightmare you can yeah. come up with. Um, yeah, and and on and. The, I think I, I really like I, I loved watching Weston race. He was the he was the blue collar guy. He was the guy that um, he was like the people's champ, so to speak. Everybody like when they see what Weston Pike race Supercross, um, he might not love to hear this, but it makes everybody else feel like they could do it, too, because he was just yeah. uh, a regular guy. Uh, he, you feel like you, he would um, go knock down a Supercross podium and then uh, put his work boots on on Monday and and be be slinging concrete next to me or something like that you know what i mean and uh um i think that really affected a lot of people that a lot of people really feel for him oh for sure and i mean him he'll be the one to tell you he got rode off his whole career everybody's like no you're never gonna make it blah 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 he just he said i'm going to do this i'm going to make it and then the year that i was there i i mean the i i wouldn't take any of it back we had the greatest year he finally finished two full seasons Minus the last race of outdoors where he had surgery just on a on a nagging injury, but it wasn't wasn't from racing that year. But right, he he needed that. It it woke people's eyes up. I mean, we we won heat. We were top three and four in main events. I mean, it was it was awesome. No, you guys, you, you guys were uh, uh, next level, and um, it must have been cool to see uh, a guy like Weston. Um, 
like basically like back up the words. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of people who say, you know, I'm, I'm going to show those guys and, and they're, they come up short um, because um, like, Honestly, the the uh, the analysis on those guys sometimes is 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 correct. They're no, like the 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 powers that be. They they don't take chances on people that uh, that don't have the potential. And he he proved people otherwise. And uh, that had to have oh, yeah. um, been uh, a really satisfying feeling for him to be able to basically uh, um, cram it down everybody's throats. That for everybody that yeah. uh, for every like you know he he represented himself on a lot of those cold calls. Uh, looking for sponsors and stuff like that, and uh, um, yeah, he he built up a lot of regret in the people that su- that told him no. That's pretty cool. Yes, for sure. And like when I went to work for him, I told him, I said, "Hey, here's the deal. If I'm working for you, I'm taking you in. I'm going to give you 110 10 percent. I want to win just as much or more than you do. Whatever you give me, I'm going to give you more." And he's like, "I've never had somebody that's like that that just that wants it just as bad, and that that one says they want it, and two does the work, you know." And he had a workhorse in me and I had a workhorse in him and we, we had so much fun. It didn't even feel like work. It was just, it was awesome. Yeah, no, you guys were an absolute fan. Uh, you're a great pair too. The two of you, your personalities got, got along way too well. Um, mm-hmm. is, is there any, is there a, another professional in the sport of motocross that's like uh, Weston Pike? Is there even currently, or maybe uh, could be one day? Well, I mean, I like I said, everybody that I've worked with, I'm still super close with, still friends. I still talk to Brock probably, I mean, almost once or twice a day. Talk to Jake probably once a week. I, I mean, I like to keep those guys close because we've given so much to each other that, you know, I just, I want to, it's fun to just stay in touch with them, you know? Yeah. No, yeah, especially, yeah, Brock's assault to the other guy. I, I shoot Brock a text. He gets right back to me. Uh, same thing yep. with Jake. Uh, you, you had the pleasure of working with some uh, some similar and, and some pretty good guys. Yeah, and honestly, all of them were easy to work for, too. I mean, the only one that was kind of a pain in the butt would have been Chad, but like I've told everybody, you know, going into that, you know, you know you're going to be working, and me, I embraced it. Like, I, I went into it, you know, we're changing clamps four times today. Let's do it. You know, why why, why do you think you want to change it? And everything that he would say, you could see it on the bike when he'd get on it. So, I mean, I learned so much from Chad hmm. from that. And a lot of people don't like, you know, aren't like me. They don't want to put the work in. They want to show up, and it's a show, and the work's done on Saturday. Now the work's just begun on Saturday, you know. So, um, what was, uh, what was your take when, uh, you're working with Chad and, uh, you, you get, you get a phone call that it's going to be, you're, you're not going to be on Huskies anymore. You're or no, you're not gonna be on Hondas anymore. You're going to be on KTMs. Well, that kind of, <laughs> so he called me the week before Christmas and offered me a job to go for Supercross. So I ended up, I was working full time in Minnesota and I'm like, well, I don't really want to lose this job because it's, you know, there's nothing guaranteed after Supercross. He's like, I don't want you to quit your job. He's like, talk to them and we'll make it work. So I ended up doing my 40 hours at my job Monday through Wednesday. And then I would fly out Thursdays to the race, set up the truck on Friday. We'd race Saturday and rebuild the bike on Sunday and I'd fly home Sunday night. So, I mean, I was pretty crammed there. And then once COVID hit, we had that little bit of time off. He, he ended up making the change to a different manufacturer and then to go to Salt Lake, Salt Lake, yeah, um, you had to quarantine. So they, they'd let you in there, but you, you had salt or to, um, quarantine and you couldn't leave. You so couldn't leave, yeah. Like either, either you stay here or you have to quit and go out there. And um, I ended up choosing my job in Minnesota at the time. And I kind of, I regret that because now I'm not even working there anymore. And I'm still back in the, 
you know, back in the industry, but at, right. the, at the time it just, it was too risky at the moment. But, uh, so yeah, I only worked through Daytona with Chad and then that was it for me. Oh, okay. And then I did outdoors yeah. with, with Yamaha and Brock. So. Right. Right. Well, uh, like regardless of how many, uh, races you got to, to, work for a an absolute legend a guy who would be on certainly be uh a, like he he close to being on my my mount my mount rushmore of uh of, of motocross legends uh just to say that you're able to spin the wrenches wrenches for uh chad reed that's uh that's something right there yeah it's unreal because i mean he was the the one and only like back in the day you know it was him and ricky and I, I always like Chad. I mean, I've always heard from a bunch of people, you know, he's such a dick, blah, blah, blah. And he's not. He is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Once you get him on that side, you know, and he, he has trust in you, I mean, he'll he'll do whatever whatever you need. You know, he's he's just a just an outstanding guy and I mean he's a legend. He's everybody everybody knows Chad. Yeah, he really is. He's he's one of my uh, my favorite people, and he 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 is also someone who uh, uh, is pretty un, un, underestimated uh, on uh, on his kindness as well. The guy, like uh, he's he's pretty he's rough at times, but uh, he cares about the people he works with. I think uh, he, uh, for that, just from talking to you uh, this last year at uh, at Atlanta, that was uh, I could tell that you guys had a really cool connection, and that he uh, although gets a little hot under the collar sometimes, it's just because he, he it's because he cares. Yeah, it's because he cares and, and he can. And I mean, most anytime he gets hot about anything, he, I mean, you make the change and he always, he always does better. I mean, he, he's always, he's always looking to, I mean, he could have went out there and rolled around in 20th at every race this year and still had the biggest autograph line and still would have made a bunch of money, but he still went out there and gave it his, his best shot. You know, yeah. like, if we're going to go out here, let's do what we can. And if, if 15th is the best we have tonight, let's come back next week and let's get 14th and better, you know, like, let's figure it out. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah, I, like I, I feel like we're gonna have to do another one of these down the road just to uh, to baby. We just do an hour just on Chad. Uh, but uh, oh, you got yeah. some some exciting stuff uh, coming down the pipe in the next little while here. Um, some riding clinics with a little bit of a different twist. Of course, uh, yeah. you're not a professional racer. I'm sure you're probably uh, faster than I am because you know everybody is. Eh, but uh, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty. Fat. I'm I'm decent for about two laps, and then I run out of talent real quick. Fair enough. <laughs> hey, that's been, we might have to throw down sometimes. It sounds it sounds like we're we similar. We might have to. I'm all right with that. Perfect. Um, but uh, you, you got some really cool stuff uh, coming down the pipe with uh, not only Weston Pipe, but uh, as well as Jake Weimer and uh, Brock Tickle coming down the way. Yeah, so uh, what we did last year in June or July, me and Weston put on a school here in Kansas City that was something a little a little different. You know, a lot of these kids come through these riding schools and they, you know, they pay their money and they, they've got these guys out there showing them how to ride their bike and, and they learn a lot. But a lot of the kids and even grown adults, I mean, don't know how to put air in their tire or check their spokes or don't even understand, you know, why you should do things like this. And I mean, the sports are already pretty dangerous, so... What I, what I wanted to do or what we're starting to do now is we're going to do these riding slash mechanics schools. So okay. you get two six-hour days on the track with, you know, either Weston, Jake, or Brock. You're still going to learn all the same things that you would have learned if it was just a riding school. But then on the intermissions and all that stuff, I'm teaching the importance of just your general maintenance on your bike, spokes, tire pressure, torque specs, stuff like that. And then along with a bunch of little, you know, little tech tips and secrets that I learned on the factory, you know, 
to show somebody how to lube a cable or how to clean an injector or how to, you know, just I'll go as far in depth as they want to go, you know, change a tire, sprockets and chains. And then I invite everybody, if there's something specific that they want done to their bike, say if they think their clutch is slipping, all right, we'll bring a clutch with me and you will tear it apart. I'll show you what to do. I'll show you how to check it. You know, you can take a measurement on it. You can smell it. You can see it if it's burnt. Explain to them what I'm looking at and then let them put it back together so they're getting the knowledge and they're getting their hands dirty. I mean, that's that's the most important part. Well, yeah, on top of that, like, um, this is a lot of stuff that, like, you know as well as I do, a lot of people go to the track, they don't uh, check their air pressure in the tire, let alone check the air pressure in there if they have air suspension, um, yeah. sag, you name it. This, these are stuff that a lot of people don't, uh, they don't do on a regular basis, not because they, they don't want to do it or because they're lazy. A lot of people don't know how to, like, maybe not the tire pressure that, that that's not over everybody, anybody's head. Um, no. but if, if there's some tips and tricks that can make things a little bit easier, uh, help people kind of take pride in, in taking uh, care of their motorcycle a little bit better. Um, not only is that going to increase people's enjoyment of the sport, but it's also going to add to safety. And I think that's probably the biggest yeah. thing is that like you have people who, um, if you feel safer on the motorcycle, you're going to feel that much more proponent to uh twisting the throttle and using those skills that a guy like weston pipe can teach you teach you exactly and and you hit it just on the head i mean i'm i'm big with safety and i mean i've seen some of the some of the best guys go down on the best equipment it happens but you i mean you if you're riding a dirt bike you should you should know a lot of this stuff i mean and i don't want to just tell you i want to show you and explain why you know this this is why i run a, a chain tension at at this because you know, I not just it has to be at 55 millimeters and that's it. Like I want to explain to you why and what can happen if it's too tight, what can happen if it's too loose, what can happen if the chain's too wore out. You know, like I just want to make them aware because an aware rider is going to be a better rider. Yeah, absolutely, and, and also, um, like obviously, you're going to give people all kinds of tips and, and tricks and techniques and how to do these a little bit easier. But uh, how do you put a price on some of the stories that you're going to be doling out, uh, guys like Leroy and guys uh, that you've uh, come and uh, come to meet at the uh, through your your time, like over over half a decade uh, racing or not really like, uh, wrenching in the sport of motocross and, uh, just that much experience. I think that that's a, uh, it's a valuable thing. And, uh, um, I hope that people take you up on that. Yeah. I mean, we, we definitely, we get people signed up, you know, a couple every day. And, um, I mean, you can, you can acknowledge this. I mean, I'm, I also have the personality to go with that as well. I mean, I would I agree. Can talk to anybody. I, I want to talk to anybody. I, you know, I want to make everybody better in every aspect, you know, whether, whether they take more from the riding or more from the mechanics, as long as they take something from both of us, I mean, that's that mission accomplished. Fair enough. Then, so then of the three guys, uh, what would you say is like the, um, uh, the strong, the, the strongest point as far as instruction goes for each guy, like, you know how, uh, um, Jeff Emig always does starts and, uh, and Ricky doesn't teach anyone how to go through the whoops. Uh, but, uh, so like when, when you're, when you take a, a lesson from Weston Pike, um, what, uh, what would, what would you say is, is an area that Westa can, can help out the most aside from just pure aggression? I mean, surprisingly enough, this, this last school that we did with Weston, he's really good with kids. He's really, I mean, he seems like, I mean, if you're doing it wrong, he'll, he'll tell you you're doing it wrong, but he's really good with like, if he could read me and read you, he's telling us the same thing, but two different ways. Okay. From how he sees how 
fighting versus how I'm writing. He's versatile in and the way he delivers. Both trying to accomplish the same thing, but both of us might need it translated a different way. Okay. To understand it. Yeah. So Weston was pretty good at that. Um, I know Brock has done some schools, and so has Jake. I've never done one with them, but I mean, I could with with Brock, I would see maybe more more of a finesse rider, you know, hitting your marks and being consistent and doing all that. And then, you know, Weston's Weston does all that too, but he just he's a little more aggressive on the bike. And then, uh, you know, same with Jake. Jake's pretty smooth. He's always he's always been kind of the the marks guy too. Like just hit your marks, make it consistent, and make it count. Well, definitely. Where can people find uh, more information and uh, and sign up for these uh, these schools, man? This sounds like a lot of fun. It's uh, it's a bummer for me that uh, uh, the border is yet still closed, and um, mm-hmm. we're we're coming we're coming in hot to uh, Supercross time. And I don't know if I, I I don't know if I'll be able to get to down there, but I hope that uh, someone else is is wanting to. And uh, and what is it going to cost? Um, so right now, what we're doing is uh, we we like to limit it to thirty riders. Yep. So that way it's more exclusive. You know, everybody takes more from it in a smaller group. Um, we charge four fifty for the weekend. Um, what, we, what we've been doing is just finding tracks. I've got two down in Texas in December. Um, just basically tracks that want to donate donate the track and then host the event. And as long as we can get you know fifteen to thirty riders, we'll we'll bring it to you. I made it mobile enough to where I can I can be anywhere at any time with enough advance. I bring my whole mobile shop to you guys. Um, bring the rider there as well and then um, that way if you know if you're only if you're stationed in one spot you kind of limit yourself you know there's there's not many people that can that want to drive all the way across country to do this so if i can if i can drive across country and you know bring it to you why not absolutely and uh so like what what uh what kind of dates do you guys have uh on the calendar um right now we have down in three palms down in conroe texas which is right by houston right um actually this weekend the 12th and the 13th and then um i had one planned the following weekend december 19th and 20th at south central mx in edgewood which is right by dallas but we're gonna have to reschedule that one um i had brock lined up for that one and he's actually got a test that week so we're gonna we're gonna push that one back probably some sometime in january but we're definitely definitely we will be at south central mx in edgewood sometime january february Okay, fair enough. Well, uh, g- looking forward to it. Uh, for those who aren't already following you on social media, you always post a lot of cool stuff, a lot of tech tips as well, and, and keeping people informed. Where do they uh, where do they follow you on Instagram to uh, to stay stay informed? Um, Instagram is just at souls eighty six s o u l e s eighty six. Facebook as well, just Travis Souls s o u l e s, and then the website for the Moto Medic is what I'm calling myself now. Right is www.themotomedic1.com. Themotomedic1.com. Themotomedic1.com, aptly named for a guy who uh, does some open-heart surgery on a on a number of different motorcycles over the years. Uh, Travis, this yeah. has been an awesome time to chat. I really appreciate you giving me uh, the opportunity to have you on the podcast, to pick your brain. And uh, I think the biggest thing I learned over the last 40, 40 or so minutes is that uh, we're definitely going to have to make you a repeat offender on the Big MX Radio okay. podcast and, uh, and go through that uh, – mechanic and career of yours with a little bit more of a fine tooth comb because i sound it sounds like you got some stories that we left on the table today oh yeah i i i could talk for hours you you let me know whenever you want it and i can i can be on there and share my stories with the world 
Perfect, man. Well, uh, I hope that uh, this encourages uh, some uh, some more people to sign up for schools. And uh, if, if one of those team managers is listening uh, and they, they like uh, your, your vibe and they like the way you're, you're passionate about the sport, I hope that they give you a shout and give you a chance to spin some wrenches at, at a Supercross in 2021. Oh, you'll see me at a Supercross in 21. I promise you that. Awesome. Well, I hope that uh, the border opens up and you'll see me at a Supercross in 21. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, really appreciate uh, your time here on the Big MX Radio podcast. Uh, Let's definitely do this again sometime. And uh, yeah, man, this has been fun. Yes, thank you. I appreciate it. Cool, buddy. Do not hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there.